Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Really pleased you can join us for another episode of a chat about our fantastic recruitment industry. Lots going on at the moment. Of course, it's a very busy and uncertain time in our labour market. Uh, Members of the REC around the country report to me really strong demand, but also, of course, concerns about rising inflation, candidate shortages and the economic outlook for the second half of the year. Those are all things that we're talking to the government about right now, but we're also thinking about how it practically practically affects recruitment businesses. So do check out our latest data. We've published the report on jobs. That's the April billings data for the whole industry in the middle of May. And on the 25th of May, our jobs outlook, that's our survey of hiring companies looking forward came out. That'll give you the latest data to be talking to your clients about. Thinking about the economy more broadly, the REC AGM is on the 22nd of June. That is well worth checking in for because we've got an economic briefing in that meeting as well that's been taken by the Resolution Foundation, who are the nation's experts on cost of living. And we'll give it, that will give some really great insight if you can join us for that. You can book on on the REC website. Most importantly of all, we've put together a whole day of of support for how you're thinking about your business going into the second half of the year at our REC conference and that's on the 30th of June. That's all online. You can join from wherever you are. You can book on on the website now. It's a great day. We've got a fantastic client panel talking about how their businesses are changing. We've got a superb recruitment panel talking about how our own staff issues are pressing priorities for uh, for recruitment businesses across the country right now. And we're trying to looking at strategies for how we can try to tackle some of the pressures we're seeing. But we've also got fantastic speakers uh, like Tim Cook of Engage, who will be joining me on on the stage to talk about, well, how do we challenge ourselves in the industry to really thrive in uh, the coming era? And we've got fantastic deep dives, equality, diversity and inclusion and healthcare, where healthcare staffing is an incredibly important strategic issue right now for the whole nation so that'll be a great day come and join us on the 30th of june all online from wherever you are and just one more uh bit of rec activity to update you on we've just launched nominations for this year's rec awards the awards night is in november but you've got until july the 22nd to get your entries in last year it was a fantastic night the best night of the year in recruitment and you can come and join us get your entries in and this year, we're particularly focusing on the stories we can tell as recruiters about the impact we've had for clients, for candidates on the local community. So have a look at some of those new categories that we put forward and maybe think about how you can celebrate your own success. We're always looking for REC members to tell a great story about recruitment because everything we're doing here at the REC is about making sure we as an industry keep our heads held high. Which brings me to today's topic. One of the things that's on many recruitment leaders' minds is cybersecurity. So much of what we do now is online, all the more so since the pandemic. And we wanted to have a bit of a dig into, well, how should we as recruitment industry leaders be thinking about our own cybersecurity and how we maybe mitigate some of those risks that we face? And I've got uh, a couple of fantastic guests joining me on the podcast today from the REC's really valued partner, Marsh Commercial. 
so first of all, we've got Peter Stoll, who many of you will know as the Recruitment Division Director at Marsh Commercial. But we've also got Fiona Barker, who's the Cyber Account Director at Marsh. Peter, Fiona, delighted to have you here on the pod. Delighted to be with you. Always happy to talk to you, Neil, about current issues and um, and especially about our uh, the insurance risks, particularly cyber at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having us. So, Peter, why don't we start with you? What should recruiters be worried about when it comes to cyber? What are the big risks that they face? I mean, you talk to, like I do, to recruitment leaders around the country. What are you hearing? So at the moment, recruiters are particularly bothered about a lot of market intelligence. They, they've they seen some of the large umbrella companies being attacked with ransomware attacks in the past six months. But most importantly, I think most recruiters hold tens or hundreds of thousands of pieces of personal identifiable data on candidates and hirers. They're obviously transferring millions of pounds pretty much on a daily basis into candidates' uh, accounts. And so any loss of data due to a cybercrime, such as a ransomware attack or fraudulent impersonation, fund transfer fraud, where the hirers may say they've paid for somebody's hire, but perhaps it's gone into the wrong account. This leaves recruiters particularly vulnerable to massive costs of of reinstating data, trying to find out what's happened to the data and and how it occurred, Uh, potential uh, system reinstatements, loss of revenue, risk of fines with the ICO, and then not even getting onto the risks of potential breaches of personal data where subject may feel that their data has, has been somehow leaked into the into the dark web. And the costs of dealing with all of that, I think most recruiters are aware of how to deal with professional indemnity claims, uh, dealing with liability claims. But when it comes to cyber claims, I think there's a huge gap of knowledge about what they should do in the event of an attack, how they deal with the data breaches, and what the potential cost to them in in pounds and pence, and also reputational damage. You know, if people are not being paid for whatever reason, the candidates will and the uh, the contractors will go somewhere else if they're not getting the service from the recruiters. So there's an awful lot there to kick off the discussion about what recruiters should be particularly worried about. And as I say, the amount of data they carry means that for cyber criminals. This is golden, you know, golden opportunities to gather that information. And I think they really are at risk and need to have a good look at their own cybersecurity and training and things like that to make sure they, they're as well protected as they can be. I'll pick up where you finished off, actually, there, Peter, around that sense of there being a range of options for recruitment firms where you want to pursue some of all of them. Uh, So the classic example at the moment is some of the spoofing that's gone on in the supply chain around umbrella companies and others where, you know, the big message from the REC to all REC members right now is do your due diligence and check in every time. But there's also You've hinted some of the payments challenges that we've seen with with certain companies being hacked in the last year. Some of this is about how we support recruitment industry staff to see a risk and react in the right way. Some of it is about the systems you put in place 
to deal with it. But some of it also is when something happens, a data breach or a hack or any of that is, well, do you have the tools to mitigate what has happened and its effect on your company? And most importantly, of course, its effect on uh, the individuals who were affected. Fiona, is that the picture that you'd recognize of the landscape? And what would you say about the, the kind of options companies have? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That was that was a really good summary there, Peter. And in terms of how the insurer landscape are responding, um, I suppose at a high level, the insurance market for cyber insurance um, recently, especially so over the last year, has been absolutely dominated by the threat of ransomware. So it is absolutely ever pre- present. The threat is proliferating um, and increasing. But what the insurance industry is doing in terms of how they can support a policyholder is that although insurers are paying a lot of claims and there is a lot of claims activity, that the policies that insurers are providing are are still very much broad in respect of being able to cover, if not all of the risks that Peter touched on earlier. So, for example, your your traditional insurance policy would uh, normally put you back into the position you had been in had you not suffered a loss. That's the kind of basic premise of insurance. However, when it comes to cyber insurance, it's, they're much more far-reaching in that what they do, worst case in the event of a cyber attack happening, is they will give you access to a full um, suite of third-party vendors that will effectively step in and help you manage any incident. So that's the beauty of the cyber policies in that it's that additional layer of protection. Yes, they will step in and cover costs in relation to a breach. But at that point where you, even if you suspect that you have suffered um, an event where someone's in your network and that your sensitive data is perhaps being held to ransom or potentially being exfiltrated, that you know if you have suffered a breach, What the policies will do is they'll help you manage that. They will guide you through the process in respect of getting your network operational, getting that threat actor out of the network, managing the kind of legal aspect, thinking about notifying affected individuals and taking you the whole way through that process. Insurers ultimately want to help you as a business mitigate the potential for there being any kind of third-party liability much further down the line um, from the affected individuals. Um, Insurers don't want it to get to that stage. It is in their interest to help you at that point. Um, As soon as you think something has happened or something has indeed happened, that's where they really um, do come into play and that they will help you manage that incident, get you fully back up operational and deal with any incident as soon as it happens. So I suppose to answer the question... The market is absolutely reacting in that, that the policies are there to help you. And, um, you know, the insurance companies do want to kind of mitigate that risk for any kind of third party action further down the line. So the protections do remain there, although insurers are managing a lot of claims at the moment, as I'm sure you are aware. But there, there very much is that layer of protection um, through risk transfer by using insurance. Absolutely. I would agree, Fiona. And the other thing that we're seeing as well with regards to where the insurers do step in for the claims we've had to deal with over the past six months our clients were totally grateful for the support for the forensic support for the you know the way clients have to be notified 
insurers set up call centers to deal with high volume of of claims that could come in and notifying individual data subjects. This is even before we get to any potential insurance coverage. But one of the interesting things I've found is that quite a few of the insurers, when we apply for a quote, are actually undertaking some investigations of their own to try and spot any weaknesses in the in not just the recruiters but any particular clients asking for um, cyber insurance so this is a little bit of an early warning that maybe there are lots of gaps in your security which is really helpful to try to plug those gaps and take the necessary action because believe me it's far better to prevent incidents than try and deal with them from my own experience with with clients in the past six months so there is a little bit of an, an added value there the insurance market is offering that's really interesting peter because i think there's a a real challenge in terms of what if you're a small recruitment business do i stand out enough to be a target well some of the targeting is that goes on around cyber is isn't really targeting it's exploiting weaknesses and that kind of pre-check is important. Fiona, I just wanted to ask you a quick follow-up to what you were saying earlier and talking about kind of, as always, no two insurance policies are the same. You were describing a move into more specialist cyber insurance. Are those kinds of policies more generally available from everyone who's writing business insurance now? Or is it still quite a specialist market, that kind of deeper cyber cover? Yeah, it absolutely is still very much a specialist market, just purely by virtue of the fact of the type of product that it is. Cyber insurance is relatively new in the UK. Insurers have probably been writing cyber insurance policies routinely, perhaps only over the last 10 or 20 years. However, that is born out of expertise largely emanating from the US. This is where the kind of the cyber insurance market started and this is where the expertise lies. And you do need a cyber insurance provider with that background and with that expertise. So, so it is still very much specialist. However, that, that there are still many cyber insurers out there providing the cover. But yes, it is more of a niche market. On a similar subject, there has been a, a wider exercise um, across your traditional insurance policies to remove any cyber cover broadly speaking, from these policies and move it towards a more specialist cyber insurance provider that is absolutely geared up with specialist claims teams to step in in your hour of need. Quite often, some of these insurers even have their own in-house breach response teams. And and that's why this type of coverage should really sit with with them an insurer that does have that area of expertise, absolutely. That's really fascinating because I, I don't think I'd appreciated that we were still looking at a kind of quite a specialist deep dive. Peter, most people who listen to this will be recruitment business owners or directors. You hinted earlier that you felt recruitment had a particular risk to it. Is that something you're seeing uh, Marsh clients start to appreciate and head for some of the, the offer that Fiona's uh, set out just then? Absolutely. I think the biggest problem we as brokers always have is being accused of um, upselling products and and trying to scare clients and um, and and I think that the the last six months have shown that this isn't just us talking this up. This is a real time 
crime of, of this uh, century, really. You know, this is something that is attacking every type of business. Recruiters are particularly difficult to get their attention, I think is the way. I've been dealing with recruiters for, for over 40 years now. Uh, recruiters are very fast moving. They don't want anything to disrupt their flow of business. They don't want to, you know, sort of incur vast expenses with regards to additional insurances. They have a young staff that are on the move all the time. So training is quite difficult. Recruiters themselves, you know, as I say, are are no different to any other corporate entity. But as I say, I think because they're in a very unique sector of of industry which deals with people and people's information the criminal cyber criminals are going to target areas where they believe there is easy pickings and and unfortunately with all a lot of fraudulent impersonations that have been going on people don't always see the problem until it's actually hit them and for a relatively small recruiter uh, a very mild or a very minor uh, cyber attack can have quite a major impact on their business. So whilst big companies have very probably well-developed IT departments and and spend an awful lot of money, you know, in this day and age where people are looking at their expenses, spending more money on cyber security is, is obviously going to be a big stretch. So I think recruiters are um, particularly vulnerable you know, on on a number of levels. And really what Marsh are doing is we're doing a lot of free cyber risk assessments to try and give people an idea of how vulnerable they are. So it's probably a good time with the knowledge of what's going on in the world, you know, to say maybe we should take some, you know, sort of advice from people like Fiona and, and myself and get involved in some understanding of what the risks are and then make a commercial decision once they know how how vulnerable they are. A really good point, Peter. And I think as well as a fast-moving staff and kind of quite a deregulated information architecture that we see in recruitment firms, obviously the other thing is recruitment firms, particularly smaller ones, tend to build their tech stack over time. There's lots of interactions in that tech stack and, and often multiple providers of different things, which of course creates spaces that uh, that can be exploited. So I think that idea of starting with a uh, with a an analysis of where we are now makes eminent sense to me. Fiona, before we close, what about the sort of minimum requirements that you think a recruiter should be thinking about in terms of their cybersecurity arrangements? You know, what are the sort of two or three things that everyone listening to this who is a recruitment business director or owner should be doing? That's a really, really good question, Neil. It's it's perhaps a bit topical at the moment in that given insurers have been handling a lot of claims, more often than not emanating out of the ransomware threats, insurers are requiring certain minimum security standards that perhaps historically may have deemed to be the gold standards um, around network security, but these are now deemed to be the kind of minimum starting point. It may appear to be onerous. However, going back to Peter's point earlier around risk management, so going through this process and ensuring you have X standards in place just kind of adds to the the robustness of your your business. If you're going through the process of looking to procure a cyber policy, you you would have to go through this process. And that the main kind of requirements that insurers are looking for as a starting point, I would say the key ones being use of multi-factor authentication. 
That means using two independent methods of gaining access to a network. Insurers will require that as a minimum. The amount of ransomware events that have happened um, as a result of the threat actor um, gaining access to the network through these kind of weak entry points, um, more often than not, this is how these ransomware um, events are happening. So this is a huge area that cyber insurers are looking at. Another one would be the use of a VPN. So not allowing access to your own network uh, unless you are behind um, your own virtual private network. Again, to kind of eliminate that, that weak point. Backups is another area. So ensuring that you do have your data backed up. Preferably it's stored um, in a way that it's not connected to your network. Potentially, ideally, that it is encrypted. Um, and I think probably, and I'm going into too much detail here because I could go through a huge list and I don't want to do that. But I think culturally... And this is the people piece, the people element. More often than not, the, the cyber criminals rely on human nature in manipulating someone into changing a behaviour in some way to allowing them access. And it's that embedding a culture of, of cyber security around regular staff training and um, looking at doing phishing tests and just having that kind of top down culture around, you know, looking out for that potential threat. And having that throughout the business, um, that's a key area that insurers will look at as well. And again, it's a big kind of area of risk to manage within your business and can only be beneficial in that respect. So there is a big list. I won't go into a lot of detail, but they are the, the kind of the key ones um, to start off with, amongst other things as well, I would say. Thanks, Fiona. That's really clear. And I think what's also incredibly clear from that is it's not just about the technical walls you build. It's about the behaviours and the expectations you set for staff and about kind of network access rules and so forth. Certainly, we've seen many businesses over the last couple of years in the sector kind of move very quickly to fully online operation in 2020 and actually one of the lessons that they're taking coming back away from that with offices you know pretty much fully reopened now is what have we learned about the processes we want to run in terms of keeping people's data safe because i don't know about other chief executives but certainly in for me as a chief executive having 60 offices rather than one creates a load of nodal points that we had to put a different set of cybersecurity behind. That's been really interesting. Thanks, Fiona and Peter. And um, Peter, before we close, if people want to find a bit more out a bit more about the the Marsh insurance offer generally via the longtime partnership with the REC, but also about this uh, specific cybersecurity offer, where can they look? So the easiest thing to do is find our details on the uh, REC website or contact us directly. Our recruitment team is a, is, is a dedicated team of specialists in Manchester and London and in Worcester, where we have people who can help at all levels. But I think the most important thing to do is to speak to us, speak to, if we're already your broker, speak to your account executive if you're a, a new inquiry just pick up the phone uh, or send us an email contact me on linkedin and we'll direct you to the exercise of undertaking the assessment and getting a quote for you and that's probably the best way you know we can certainly send out information relating to the product there's various fact sheets that fiona's prepared and uh, we've got a lot of intellectual property that would be really helpful so basically get in touch with us through the rec website and uh, look forward to being of assistance 
Super. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Fiona. Thank you both for joining us today. What a great discussion just to kick us off on that process of thinking about how we improve our cybersecurity up front in the recruitment industry, but also how we improve our ability to mitigate fire insurance as we, if something does happen. As Peter said, you can find all the Marsh commercial details on the business partners area of the REC website with some uh, REC membership specific details there as well. And it's I, I know it's a relationship with Marsh that we all at the REC value a great deal. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this discussion and you've got a little time for some more, why not try episode nine with uh, Suhail Mirza for 2022, which is about mental health as a business issue and deep diving into mental health and recruitment. If you're still kind of worried about the kind of inflation that's running through jobs boards at the moment, a really interesting discussion is episode eight for 2022 with Thomas Prince, the co-founder of uh, Talent Nexus, a really interesting challenging discussion about how we should be thinking about our jobs boards advertising in the light of some of the changes that have happened so far this year so thank you again to peter and fiona and thank you to all of you for joining us today and uh, i'll look forward to talking to you again on another episode of talking recruitment the rec podcast thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this podcast join me for another episode soon And check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.